we are back. Welcome to another episode of More Than a Title. I'm your host, as usual, Jared Thomas. And for those, you know, thank you for all the followers and all the support, guys. Last week's episode and the, this whole season has been going way better than anticipated. And it's all because of y'all love, man. I really appreciate y'all. And today, man, we've got a special, special episode. And for those first-time listeners, all More Than a Title is about is being raw, being real, and telling real stories, right? Telling what the stories behind the person, right? Because we are all more than a title, right? We are more than a social media marketer. We are more than LinkedIn. We are more than, you know what I mean? I'm a dad, I'm a, I'm a brother, you know what I mean? I'm so many different things and we all are those things. And that's what makes us who we are. And that's the stories that I want to hear from and the people I want to hear from. And today I've got this queen right here. I've been a fan of hers for a while. Since I started early in my journey in 2020, I've seen the sister on the platform and her authenticity just just spoke to me. You know what I mean? It's not too many African-American and black professionals that I see on the platform, but especially being real, there's only a handful um, that really do it well. And this queen is a college professor for over a decade, LinkedIn top voice in education in 2020, a published writer, uh, wrote co- op-ed pieces on racial profiling for CNN that drove 2 million impressions on their website. All that two million on their website, you hear that? You know what I mean? In 2020, she was also featured in New York Times article about social justice advocacy work that spurred her launch to, you know, launch her Black History and Culture Academy, which is a subscription-based platform with over 50 plus courses. She also launched Black Power Moves, which is our podcast on Ebony Media covering Black American Podcast Network. And she also built an incredible audience of over 140,000 followers on LinkedIn alone with over 60 million impressions. So let's introduce our special guest, this Queen Elizabeth Lever. How are you, sis? I'm good. How are you, Jack? Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited. I love your energy. I'm excited to talk to you because that alone is like fuels my spirit when I see that, that energy and that excitement, enthusiasm. That's what it's all about for the culture. So let's do it. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Everything you do for the culture. And I'm going to be, before we start, because I'm, I'm very curious about your, your background and I've heard, you know, you, you tell your story and we are so similar. I remember, I think it was on Instagram. I think you told a story about your mom and you being a nurse and chose the profession. And what it spoke to me, I'm the same exact way. I'm the one person in my family that didn't go to education. My mom is assistant principal. My brother's a teacher. My wife is a teacher. Everybody's a teacher. I graduate school. Mom's going to give me the layup, come to the school. I just couldn't do it. So I'm sitting here being a waiter. I'm working at Dallas barbecue. I'm working at Starbucks and I found a way. <laughs> it wasn't sexy at first, but now we lit. And, and I just would love to know, you know, what spurred that from you? Like what made you want to do something different other than what your family was asking you to be? And, and where, where did you get that courage from? Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't get asked that question that much. All my family, for the most part, work in the medical field. I'm an immigrant, so I was born in UK, came from London when I was about 12. So that immigrant mentality is like hustle, hustle, work hard. And uh, my mom was a nurse. And um, that's usually most people from the Caribbean. If y'all know Islander, they stay with a bunch of jobs. And healthcare yeah. is definitely one where you can hustle. You can work at the hospital. You can work at the nurse home. Hey, man. That's what I think duty. about. Hey, man. Hey, man. You got, if, if you ain't got like three jobs, they're like, you lazy. College is a must. But they usually want to do, you know, like um, be a doctor, be a nurse, be an engineer, be, yep. you know, a lawyer. They want you to do something, a profession that is going to be prestigious for one. Because they yeah. didn't come all the way across the world for you to just, you know, do whatever. And I did not necessarily want to be in the medical field only because I just wasn't interested in that. And it just wasn't something that really spoke to me. I love to help people. I would say I'm a natural empath and helper. 
Yeah. I did not want to work in the medical field. I didn't even like going to the hospital to like even pick my mom up from work. <laughs> Call it so much you need a ride. I'd be like, can my brother come pick you up? Because it's just like I just did not like the hospital. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, my aunt was a nurse. She worked at the, the county hospital where my mom worked. My mom, my grandmother was a CNA there. It was like a what? family thing, and I just was not feeling it. And um, I actually wanted to be a writer, and I ended up um working um. Going to school for journalism, I was uh, at yeah. University of Florida, which is a really good journalism school on a full ride. But my mom was even skeptical. She was mm. like, "Like journalism, like writing, that doesn't really pay. Like, how are you gonna make money?" And when I told her <laughs> what journalists made at the local paper where I had been in, they were like, "You know, if you want to work here after you graduate," she was like, mm. "She was not feeling it. She was just like, that's what they gonna pay you? It was like twenty something thousand. She was like, I make more than that." So I ended up going mm. into education primarily because even though teacher pay really wasn't that much better, it was more mm -hmm. like a stable, yeah, it's exactly. like a respectable job. It's not like a writer where it's kind of like, do you live, are you homeless? When you tell people you're a writer, it's just like, writers are just like, you know, very frivolous. At least the teacher is like respectable. Yeah. So I ended up going into education and it it was at least something that it, it gave me an opportunity to help other people learn how to write. Yeah. So I actually became a writing professor professor and taught creative writing and that's what I did for over a decade like 14 years I really only stopped teaching during COVID because it was just like so busy and everything that was going on on LinkedIn I just didn't have the time but even though I actually work full-time as the director of instructional design and innovation for a college I have mm -hmm. always been a college professor up until yeah up until about 2020 and I just my passion was just helping other students express helping students to learn how to express themselves and write I feel like the power of the written word Communication in general is probably the most powerful medium we have. Absolutely. That's cultural for us. Even from Africa, we did have stories. It wasn't stories written down. It was oral literature. And I always yeah. feel like literature and, and storytelling, even the way that I saw this meme on, oh, I'm going way off topic now, but I saw a meme on social media talking about how black people even communicate stories. Like, you know, it's like, you, let me tell you how this, how this started, you know? And, and, you know, it's like, we always have to make some stuff really dramatic. Yep. And then let me tell you who, it's like, we, we have this innate ability to be able to communicate stories in such an engaging way. Yeah. And little was it known that so-and-so, you know, we, we always have these weird <laughs> transitions that are not like normal. And let me tell you really what the kicker was. So it's yeah. like we have just a funny way of expressing <laughs> ourselves. And I love that. I love to be able yeah. to have, help students to be able to, a lot of them had never been heard. A lot of them were coming from first-gen families. A lot yeah. of them didn't even know anyone that had been to college. So the ability to tell a student, Look, you may not be a writer, but it's really important to be able to communicate effectively, even on the job, yeah. even in the email. Everywhere. So Family. everywhere you need to know how to communicate. Relation, everything is based yeah. on communication. Look at even a country right now. A lot of the miscommunication is happening is that people just don't listen and don't really express themselves in a way that leads to shared understanding. So that was really my passion became teaching students how to be effective communicators and helping other people to I guess, get on that journey of how to express their voice, you know, that 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 hidden voice inside yeah. all of us that we really want to be heard. Well, so I'm curious, too, because I'm a writer, too. So I'm a, I'm a rap. I always write. That's what I do. I'm a musician, all that good stuff. So I love the I'm in love with the creation process. 
That's what I love about writing. I love expressing myself and then seeing somebody's face. And when they put the face on, when you say something I'm like, ooh, I got some shit. That's that's what I love. So I'm curious. That's stank face. I love that. When you say something that is that you know that they're feeling it. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's that feeling. I love that. I love being on stage. And I love just having that idea. That's why I even love podcasting, too, right? I love having the idea of, look, I'm going to speak to Liz. Or, and, and we're going to talk. I'm going to have a great con- Like, I love and seeing it come to fruition. So for you with writing, was there a particular, a, a specific piece or, or anything that you wrote that made you feel like, look, even if the money's not, all that stuff, like, this is what I'm going to do and this is the impact. Was there any one specific moment? No. You know, it's funny. I never wrote professionally. I never stepped foot in a newsroom. Okay. Uh, of writing. It was like. I, my family were discouraging me, kind of like, oh, writing, you really want to do that? I went into the classroom, and I never really wrote professionally until I was on LinkedIn. I never wrote. I never went back in the newsroom. I was an editor for Seminole Tribe of Florida. I was the editor of their newspaper for a few years, but I really... I rarely wrote anything. If it was something, it would be something like, oh, you know, one of the tribal members' daughters won, you know, a, a fashion show or like a, was a, yeah. you know, contestant in a pageant. It wasn't like really writing, writing. And it wasn't really until I got on LinkedIn and really started expressing myself that I really started to fall in love with writing again. It was like me and writing have always had a very tenuous relationship. It's like a love-hate relationship. I love to write, but there was something about writing for a newspaper that just it, 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 I couldn't overcome, first of all, the fear of doing it. And also, I just didn't feel that passion. And it really wasn't until I got on LinkedIn that I started actually posting and feeling yeah. passionate about writing. I would yeah. say the, the biggest propelled um, moment for me was when I posted on false arrest in uh, 2020 after I saw yeah. Kyle Rittenhouse make. Um, bail and he got people to raise like $2 million on his behalf. And I posted about my own false arrest. And that's what led to the CNN article that you referenced because they reached out yeah. to me and asked me, did I want to write an op-ed piece about my experience of being falsely arrested and talking about this idea that how is it that black and brown young people, because I was arrested at 19, uh, when yeah. I was a college student, you know, I was falsely accused of shoplifting and then got arrested and my thought process was a 17-year-old purchased the air office illegally and was ushered along, was given water, was patted yeah. on the back for helping the community, quote unquote, yeah. to protect the community against Black Lives Matter rioters. But me and a lot of other, I mean, my situation, at least I came out of it alive. You have Breonna Taylor, you have Trayvon That's Martin, great. you have a lot of young folk that yeah. have been targeted and have lost their lives because somebody didn't want to understand that a, a young black person is innocent until proven guilty. And that really, I think that advocacy of actually seeing that come to life from a post on LinkedIn to an actual yeah. op-ed piece that went viral on their website, over 2 million impressions on their website. I think that was a turning point where I was like, wow, my voice actually has the ability to impact people. And, and that's and that's the key. I, I call that the LinkedIn bug, right? Because I think everybody has that, right? I had the same similar thing. Like I was doing, like I started out of necessity. So, so like I was in a sales job. I'm like, you know, right, you know, I'm tired of fucking sending out a thousand emails and nobody responding. <laughs> like real talk. I'm tired of doing that. I get one meeting, two meetings, three meetings are scattered. I have a good quarter, bad quarter. I'm like, yo, with my energy, I, I've got to be able to, if I meet you, I we, we lit. We're good. We're, we're tied there for life. So I'm like, how can I scale that? Right. So I'm like, yo, let me just go on LinkedIn. Let me just no rhyme, no reason. Just pulled out my phone, no editing, no nothing. Sis. It was just like, hey, what up? And we just talking shit. 
Two months later, I'm going to get a chicken palm. People are like, yo, that's what's the name from this. And y'all love your shit. I'm like, oh, oh, no. Nah. This, is this what you want? I got you. And I just ditched everything. I ditched the, the shirt, the ties. I said, I'm going to be this. And I'm going to just show you who I am as a person. And then what blew up for me was the story. Like you said, telling you, I was like, yo, I was 20 years old. I had my first kid on the way. I'm working at BBQ smelling like ribs. I'm like, people, people screaming on my, my, I'm seeing it serving my peoples. And I'm like, I got my first child on the way. And I could have went to school and did it with my mama's way. So I'm feeling bad. I'm insecure. I'm like, did I make the right choice? Whatever the case may be. And I, and I snuck into sales. I snuck into digital sales. And then from there, I just took off my career. But it was like me telling that story. I got people from Germany, all the other places, every other state. Man, I love your story. It resonates. I was the same way. Y'all worked at BBQs too. I still smell like ribs. I'm like, damn, bro. <laughs> it was all types of shit. And that's, yeah. so if anybody listening, that's the power of telling your story. And I, I preach it all the time, right? Had you not had that because you were writing, you were, you were in something that you were passionate about. The problem was you weren't passionate about the content. You didn't have the creative control to say, you know what, this real shit happening where I'm from and stories that need to be told, but I got to tell you the pageant. So I'm going to hit you with the pageant. <laughs> I'm going to show you what the pageant is. I'm going to show you what that is. But like, damn. And then you caught that bug. So like what happened from there, sis? Like, so once you, you felt the bug, like things are starting to take off, like what, what did you do and how did you transition from education to really focusing full time as being a, a creator? Yeah. I mean, it's been a journey because I think with LinkedIn, I didn't really think it would be anything, you know, 2020, we were on lockdown. There was just so mm -hmm. much going on, um, the pandemic and then George Floyd's murder. I looked at LinkedIn more as an outlet, like a creative outlet, because I was just frustrated um, being at home, yeah. not really having any kind of camaraderie as far as anyone to even bounce these thoughts off in terms of what's going on around the country. Yeah. And it just started to propel me to be really honest about what was happening. And, and I think at that point, um, what had happened was I, what had happened was I actually had started doing a podcast. I had been connecting with a few people on LinkedIn and I had a higher education podcast and that kind of empowered me. And then when I started speaking out about social justice and about George Floyd, initially I wanted to stop doing a podcast and my podcast co-hosts at that time, they were like, why don't you double down? People started listening to you and maybe you can use this and, and leverage your voice and become that voice of frustration. Maybe people Absolutely. will connect with that. So I actually just started to really go in harder on that message of what's going on around the country. This is not people. I think what was frustrating me as an educator and someone that teaches American literature as well as writing, people were saying, this is not America. And I'm like, have you cracked open a history book? Like this is yeah. America. This is one person that was murdered and to minimize his murder, but this has happened thousands of times about 4,000 4, plus people men, women, and children mm. were lynched between Reconstruction and the last documented lynching, which was Emmett Till in 1955 at the age of 14. So we know that this is not isolated. We know that George Floyd was a man that was murdered in front of our eyes on camera, but that it happened many, many times. People would take photographs. People would peel off skin of uh, men and women that were that were lynched. They would make soap out of their bodies. They would burn their bodies. So, and I hate to be graphic about it, but the reality is right. that this is not something that his his neck was kneeled on and he was murdered, but have been killed in very graphic and horrific ways throughout history, throughout time, and in ways that are almost too horrific to imagine. And I didn't want to gloss that over. I was feeling really angry that people, as a professor, I'm like, 
have people ever taken an African-American history class? You know, I was kind of getting mad from the educational <laughs> standpoint. And that's really what propelled me to start writing and really posting about black history and culture and African history and culture. Because black history, even though me as an immigrant, I am not American descendant of slavery here in United States. Obviously, black folk anywhere on in the Western Hemisphere were enslaved, whether it's Brazil, yeah. South America, Caribbean, which is where my family is from. Anyone that's a black side of the world in the Western Hemisphere, we all originate from Africa. All Actually, all life originated in Africa. So at yeah. some point, I really wanted to help people understand that history and not a good understanding of history is really why people were so confused about what happened with George Floyd. Exactly. And I started, made it my mission for two years straight, I posted every single day without fail about black history, about black culture, about just the history of the United States. And that started with MLK and I started with Rosa Parks, starting with Africa and our legacy of greatness. And I wanted to make sure people understood that. And people just started saying, wow, you're educating so much. And with my background in education, that's why I wanted to start Black History and Culture Academy. Black History and Culture mm -hmm. Academy actually launched on the day of the Capitol riot, which was January 6th. And I was just like, you know, I had been building it and I was going to launch it for Black mm -hmm. History Month. And I said, you know what? Mm -mm. Let me launch this now. I think I started with 40 classes. But I was going to go to 50. I built the other 50 before Black History Month because I was like, no, we're going to launch this today because we literally just saw the government under attack. Yeah. And people are acting like business as usual. We need to make sure that people understand. And then the pushback against CRT and the idea that black history makes, you know, children feel guilty. And I'm like, I grew up in UK. We, we learned about the Holocaust. We learned about World War II. Nobody said, let's not teach them about the bombing and how people had to be in uh, these, you know, these bomb shelters because people are going to feel guilty that we, they teach us because it's a part of history. And if Londoners and people up in, in uh, is something that's very taught because you have to know that this is something that yeah. happened so that it won't happen again, right? So... That was a part of what started to propel me to be a creator and start to think about how do I use my ability as an instructor, a college professor, someone that's very well versed in education, someone that is a writer that just really didn't write, but am a writer. How do I use this in a way that is meaningful, is measurable, is impactful, is for the culture? And I wanted yeah. to just think about my responsibility. I always think about myself as someone that I was like the kid that got teased in school, but I, if you, anybody else was getting teased on the bus, I start cracking on the person that was teasing that person, you know? Because no. I was just like, it's not fair. Like, why, you know, why are people not, why do people not stick up for each other? Why do people not, yeah. you know, just, just treat each other like they want to be treated? And I'm always like a big person on the big, someone that's really big on the golden rule, this idea that if people mm -hmm. just be human beings, we wouldn't need DEI. We wouldn't need all these different CRT and black history and all, talking about inner intersectionality and a lot of concepts that really are beyond people sometimes these concepts people can't understand but can you understand treat people how you want to, how you would want to be treated or can you understand the hood rule which is yeah. keep your hands to yourself if you don't want anybody doing anything to you keep your hands to yourself it's just like basic human courtesy so i just started really doubling down on the idea of let me educate people and just uh, top voices in education happened and then the new york times article happened where they highlighted people on linkedin Black folk that were educating and speaking out about social justice. So I think it just became almost like a snowball effect. I didn't expect it to be that. And a lot of people just try to discourage me and tell me, don't do this. You're going to put a target on your back. But I had been at my job at that point for maybe seven years. So it yeah. really wasn't like that. It wasn't thinking about, well, I'm going to lose my job. And at that time, I actually yeah. started to sit down and say, well, if I do lose my job, what is my plan B? Because I was prepared that if that did happen or there was some repercussions exactly. that 
I would be prepared and make sure I had savings, make sure I had my ducks in a row in case that did happen, but it didn't. I got really more backlash from people that were threatening, like, you know, saying, you know, stop talking to people on social media that would be threatening. It really wasn't people that I knew. It was trolling and people that were like, oh, you know, stop talking about this and people, you know, emailing my job and people in my DMs. It really wasn't, I didn't really have backlash in terms of professional opportunity. I attracted a lot more professional opportunity when it came to Ebony reaching out to ask me, did I want to do a podcast or opportunities to go in and do speaking engagements and consult and coach and all these other things I never would have dreamed that I would be able to do. But I think initially my goal was really just to be what I've always been, which is an educator, a teacher, a storyteller. And that just really ballooned into everything that has happened as of now. Sis, your, your, your story is amazing. And there's so many things <laughs> at night. Like, like real talk, it's so many, like, as you're saying it, I'm like, damn. Like, why? <laughs> like, like, for one, the first part that you said, you said earlier, and, and you know, when you when you was talking, you said, basically, you had no camaraderie, right? So I'm, if I'm in the crib, like, solo, and I'm thinking about these ideas, people don't really understand how effing hard that is, right? Because you're battling mm-hmm. yourself. That's the word. That's the hardest battle, is when yes. you're battling with yourself, and you're like, yo, I can do it. And then maybe tomorrow you wake up, it's like, yeah, Yo, you can't, you stupid. You ain't going to do shit. You ain't going to do, and, and you have those, yeah. it's, it's yes, exactly. that imposter syndrome. Somebody said that's not true. It absolutely is true. We all doubt ourselves. And I speak to enough CEOs and a lot of successful professionals to know the only thing that separates us from somebody and them is perspective and mindset. They went yeah. for it, yeah. took the risk. They went through the six months of being sleeping in the car, bootstrapping their company, just like you did. You said, you know what? I'm going out on a limb. I'm going to make sure my ducks are in a row, make sure my savings is good, and I'm jumping off the ledge. I said, I'm doing it, and whatever happens, happens. I believe in myself. And that's what I like. I love about your stories that you went for, because it, it was a full pivot. And then, and then also as a digital marketer, how to put the pieces together to make sure you monetize they don't know how hard that is too to put the systems in place to pray 50 courses so now you're looking at kajabi and thingsific and all these other platforms you have to learn these things you have to get your quality your content right writing the scripts out everything that you have to do to make your courses viable and then to do that and then get seen and then do those things like just kudos to you and and, I, and i'm also curious because you mentioned like the backlash like what are some of the craziest things i asked maddie that and Maddie has some. Maddie has. Oh yeah. I don't know how Maddie Her does stories it. Are, Maddie, I don't know. When I when she tells me about some of the things that she's been through and some of the backlash and even some of the things that people have said to her and things that have happened to her, I am yes. literally in tears sometimes. It gives me yes. goosebumps just thinking about it because she's been through a lot, and a lot of us have. You know, she's very outspoken about some of the things that she's been through. I haven't, God, to this point, have not had anything as badly as, you know, in terms of people physically showing up. People have, like, said to her they would drag her behind a car. Like, just when you think about the things that people say, it's like people, I think, sometimes feel like, well, it's just social media. Just be quiet. You know, don't either stop posting if you're so bothered by it or just ignore it. But we can't ignore it because if we've made a commitment to say we're going to be making this our life's work, whether it's trying to educate people, we're using it to promote our own businesses, we're helping other people, we're coaching, we're consulting, we're making sure that we're a presence on the platform. I have a book coming out. So obviously I'm promoting the book. Obviously we're not going to just not post, but then another thing that I think people also forget is that even when someone posts something, I've had people say, oh, 
oh, like, you know, threatening me, go back to Africa. You're the N word. You're yeah. the C word. You're the B word. Um, go on a date with OJ Simpson if you, you know, see what happens to you. Those kinds of things. I'm you're the wrong and, race. But yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, I'm, okay. in my head, I'm like, I don't think he would want to go on a date with me, sir. But okay, I'll take that in under consideration. It's just like the, the weird things that people tell you. It's like, well, how did they even come up with it? I had a man tell me, if you don't like um, America so much, which I never said that, I, he said, well, go to Africa and solve female genital mutilation. And I was like, huh? What? You came up with something? <laughs> yeah, I was like, where did, I was like the mind blown emoji. I'm like, what does female genital mutilation have to do with anything? I'm talking about racial profiling, but okay, fine. It's just people, and then people, the, the thing about it that makes it scary, I think in terms of, oh, we'll just ignore it, or it's just social media. These people are just not like, an avatar <laughs> they're real it's people that. so that's the thing that makes it scary because like the guy that came to madison's house you yeah. know he threw a brick it's like these are real people and some of them if you got time on your hands i saw people that i had like probably a hundred emails when that um when the cnn op-ed piece went viral but it was about Kyle Rittenhouse, which is America, yeah. the, the 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 right sweetheart you know they 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 adore him yeah. So a lot of people were like, oh, you're a grown woman. You shouldn't be picking on him. Leave him alone. And I got those emails on my job. So people started wow. flooding my podcast website, which was my previous podcast, not the Ebony podcast, but the yeah. higher education podcast. So now I'm doing a podcast um, with an Italian guy that I met on LinkedIn as well as a Puerto Rican guy, which they both are white presenting because they look white even though yeah. they're ethnic to a certain extent. And they were both like, they were horrified. They were like, oh my God, what are these people doing? And if they wanted to fight everyone, they were like, we should email them all back. And I'm like, there's no way, because it was like probably 50 people that bombarded yeah. our pod site, uh, podcast website, as well as people who looked up my job and then started emailing my job. Uh, I, was teaching at a, I was teaching at a community college as well as I was working full time for a career college. So they yeah. just started inundating my job email with, you know, just hate, hateful emails about, you know, just go back to Africa and, you know, who are you and stop picking at this. The yeah. weird thing was I got people that also encouraged me. So it was hard because it was like, I was scrolling through and I'm trying to delete the ones that are just ridiculous. And then for example, because I talked about Kyle Rittenhouse, Kyle Rittenhouse's um, aunt reached out and she said, or what? not Kyle Rittenhouse, I'm sorry. The, the the man that was killed by Kyle Rittenhouse, the aunt Got reached it. out okay. and said, and said, thank you for writing that because mm. we miss him. We loved him. He loved to skateboard. The 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 young man that tried to disarm him with the skateboard. And we're hurting. And the fact that Kyle Rittenhouse is being held up as a hero. We just appreciate you for giving a balanced perspective because he was our loved one and he didn't deserve to die right. this way. And that kind of touched me because I'm like, even though I had to sift through a hundred emails, the fact that the family was grateful that he wasn't their, their child, their son, their nephew wasn't demonized. And that right. I was giving a perspective of, Hey, these are innocent people that were hurt, were killed and to, to, to raise Kyle Rittenhouse up as a hero was wrong. It kind of made it you know, worth it. Because at the end of the day, when you're speaking truth, that's really what you want to do. You want to represent what's right and what's fair. And yeah. I think that's part of, even though we get trolled, even though we have people that don't agree, we're speaking our truth. 
So yeah. we're not going to back down from speaking truth just because people are being ignorant or people are threatening us. Nah, but that's scary as hell, though. So it's like, like I couldn't imagine being at my job and you're actually making emails. It's all it takes is a Google search to find out where I am and know what time I get off. Or even assume what time I get off. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine head is on a swivel. You're looking at things like life changes. Oh, yeah. And people don't understand that. Yeah. And even that slight change or whatever, how big or slight it was, like that affects you. That affects you. You don't know yeah, if somebody mentally. could be waiting at the car, slash your tires, or because mm -hmm. you're speaking your mm -hmm. truth. And the problem I have with that is that these same people that make these comments, and I just made something about this on LinkedIn, and it's kind of a, it's a, it's a gray area. These are the same people that are hiring. These are the same people oh, who yeah. are VPs. These are the same people oh, yeah. who are in marketing. These are the same people that are gatekeepers to these opportunities. And that's why I'm going to be honest with you. Just like, I'm just like, I'm through. Like, I'm through it, especially where the job system is right now, the way the market is. I'm tired of going on my feed. I'm seeing the Facebook, the meta stuff. I'm looking at, I got into it with a, with a lady on Facebook. And she was like, you know, it was a soft thing. No, I don't want anybody to lose their job. So let me make that clear. Like, I, I'm empathetic to anybody. It's tough. It's holidays, all that. She got six months of severance and medical. I got, I got laid off in August from Hootsuite. As a top top performer, they gave me a month and told me to peace out and we love you. I know some same people who are down there that had their first opportunity in tech, single mothers, all that stuff that I'm sitting there talking to. These are my peoples. And they're like, yo, we got a month and we got to figure it out. Yeah. And like you on LinkedIn getting a thousand views. And I know homegirl that's sitting there trying to make something happen. And she's sitting there mm -hmm. putting an application after application. Her voice ain't heard. And I'm sitting there hearing you complain. And I feel like I'm not like, there's only a few of us that speak up about that. Right. So like, that's the stuff that I, it's so much funny stuff with LinkedIn. And it's so, it's such a game. Ugh. Like I love it. And I hate it. I yeah, love it. Love hate. love hate relationship. And you're right. I think the reason why a lot of us started doubling down on LinkedIn during the pandemic is because of the, the all the volatility, what we were seeing around the country, everything that was happening, the fact that government, corporate America, everyone seemed so shocked was why we doubled down on LinkedIn. Um, there was this idea that, well, these people that are change makers, supposedly everyone is here trying to network and they're leaders, they're nonprofit leaders, they're leaders in government. If you think, if you look at all the, the just the demographics of everyone on LinkedIn, the average salary is $75,000. People are from all the big companies across corporate America and yeah. they have profiles, even if they're not posting, they're active. People, yeah. it's owned by Microsoft. So this right. is one of the most influential, even though in terms of numbers, 850 million, it's not as big as some of the others. In terms of influence, CEOs are on here, like exactly. anyone that you could think of. And a lot of us with social justice, we're like, we're not going to post this on Facebook because Facebook is an echo chamber. We all know this. Because yeah? Black yeah. folk, we know what's happening. The people that need to understand this are like, this is not America. These people need to know this. And that was really what propelled us to keep speaking up because it was like, we know everyone on Twitter, in Black Twitter, we know this stuff because we were on Black. Someone on LinkedIn, one of the leaders on LinkedIn, he's like, we try to keep it, you know, we try to keep it pretty professional. We try to keep it pretty positive. And my response to him, this was around the time of Top Voices, I said, but you got to remember the people that are on LinkedIn right now and are active on the platform and are raising our voices. We were Black Twitter 10 years ago when Trayvon Martin was killed. So we're grown and a lot of us may not be using Twitter to that extent as a social, because I know I was very active yeah. on Twitter at that time during Trayvon Martin, but now yeah. I'm in professional spaces. I'm networking. I'm looking at how to get my job to the next or get my career to the next level. This is where I'm at. So unfortunately, you guys are the lucky winner. It is what it is. This is how it works in an environment where 
now it's a pandemic work and home is blurred. Where am I going to talk about these things? And as you yeah. mentioned before, which is a really important point that I want to make sure that people don't miss the people that are on here. If people are hiring managers, they're decision makers, they're thinking about the direction of their company. They're, they're yeah. posting. We all saw the crying CEO. We've seen yeah. Elon Musk. We've seen people that are leaders and you look at some of the things that they do and you're like, Things are very transparent now. The CEO that was up here talking about how he took a pay cut, $70,000 from a million. Now he was sexually harassing. And, you know, everything is coming to light where a lot of these people, we, we need to hold them accountable because if you're a leader in corporate America, what do you actually do? Are you posting a black box on your LinkedIn or on your Instagram, but then we go to your company's website and it's not diverse at all. You're Absolutely. saying that you're going to support Black Lives Matter, you say that you want diversity, but your actions and, and the things that you're posting about are not in alignment with that. So I think a part of what made it so important for us to really be very intentional about using LinkedIn as a platform is because of the type of, you know, the type of people that yeah. inhabit and in navigating LinkedIn on a daily basis is not enough black and brown folk that are really outspoken. But then the people that are the leaders, like you said, the person that told me to go on a date with OJ Simpson was a VP at his company. And I was so mad. It was like the day, it was the day before Christmas. He said, you ruined Christmas. And this is going off of me. Crazy. And I took a screenshot of the message that he sent me in my DMs and I posted it. I did not block his name out. And I said, this is what I'm dealing with. This is mm. the level of harassment and threat. And do you know his company, HR director, the, the VP of HR for this company was a huge company, went in my comments and told uh, everyone in the comments that they had gotten rid of him. They fired him. A lot of my right. followers also reached out to the CEO of the company and he responded and said, that person has been fired because we do not tolerate that kind of behavior. So yeah. the, the fact mm -hmm. of the matter is that LinkedIn does have the ability to hold people accountable. I know Madison's done it where people have yeah. done these right. things and she will post it and she will tag their company. Is this what you, because Madison at the end of the day, you're a leader. <laughs> Y'all both got receipts. I'm scared. Yeah, because at the end of the day, if you're saying you're a leader in corporate America, yeah. put them on blast. Okay? Stand on it. Stand on, stand on it. Because yeah. anything I post, I'm going to stand on it. And I got my receipts. I got my yeah. research to back it up. I got my stats. I don't post anything yeah. just like willy nilly. Because I'm a college professor and I already know anything that you say, unless it's common knowledge, like the sky is blue, you better be able to back it up. So if you're threatening yeah. people, if you're saying that your company stands for equity and justice and inclusion, but your actions don't back that up. Either you're harassing people, trolling, or your company itself is not living by that standard, then we need to know about it because are we going to make sure that we don't necessarily, look with Twitter, people are leaving that yeah. platform because it's like, this is not what I want for myself. So the mm -hmm. idea of making sure that we hold these um, companies accountable, making sure we hold leaders accountable, Absolutely. social media has done that. And LinkedIn is a platform where, that is where we can leverage the most amount of power because that's where most of the power brokers are. That's, that's where the decision makers are. And I, I tell my audience this all the time, guys. Like, I know a lot, a lot of my people, I know a lot of my people from the block, a lot of people I know from the Bronx, they're on Instagram, they're on Facebook. The problem is it's a content efficient platform. Everybody's posting it. And then when you do post, the reach is only going to be to a specific audience, going to be your mom and them, your cousin and them, you know, the people that you, it, that's not going to be enough to change your life, right? You're going to need the numbers to do it. But a place like LinkedIn and TikTok, content deficient. 2% of people post on LinkedIn, right? So how many people that look like me that have a hat with a death row bad boy shirt on that come from the Bronx to do sales, SEO and all that shit is going to be 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 0.1. So I have a better chance 
because you're not going to see something like me on the feed versus me going to Instagram and there's a thousand Jareds. You know what I'm saying? So, and that's what it is. And the reason why it's like that, because we're afraid to speak in these spaces. And then what she's saying, what you're saying, sis, is so important because had you not said that, had you not showed the receipts or Madison, right? There could have been a brother like me as an AE working underneath this brother, this person, right? I working it, and I'm sitting there, you know, trying to trying to get a raise. I'm getting overlooked for promotions. I'm getting this and all these things. And who knows what traumatic experience you have in the workplace because of somebody like that who's supposed to be nurturing your career. And that's right. why it's so important, y'all. Like we can't we can't let it. The problem is though, as a black professional, I might not be able to stand on it because I still have to play the game. And I'm very curious to know from you, sis, like how does a black professional told that line because you have to play the game. Like they told me, my mentor was like, yo, Jay, you wildin'. You going on with the hat and the hoodie. Yo, bro, you're not going to make it to sea level. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, I wasn't going to make it there anyway because they still see this. And if I got to be something completely different to be there, then do I really want to be there? You know what I mean? So that that's the stuff that I wrestle with. And I said, F it, I'm going to do it. And sis, I made more money with the hat and the hoodie than I did with the shirt and button up. Straight Say up. That. Say Straight that. up. And that's what it is. So that's why it's so important. And, and, it's, and there's days I messed up. There's days where engagement goes down and mess with you and all that other stuff. And, you know, I see people take my content and go viral. I'm like, ain't this about it? Like, I see all types of stuff, all types of stuff. But like, it's like, how, what advice would you give to the young sister or brother that's, that's you know, 25, that's in an organization like that, that, had, that is working for somebody like the person you called out? How do you how do they progress their career and how do they share their voice and their story? Yeah, that's a really good question. I always tell people operate in your sphere of influence and you don't have to do what Dara's doing. You don't have to do what Liz is doing. Everyone's yeah. journey is different. So right. there isn't like a cookie cutter way of expressing yourself and, and managing your brand and putting your voice out there. Some people may not want to talk about social justice. They may not talk about some of the things that we talk about. And that's fine too, because sometimes I think people feel like, oh, we're, we're side-eyeing or judging Black folk that aren't speaking up about equity. That's not everyone's bag. And some people want to talk about, you know, sustainability. Some people may yeah. want to talk about, you know, marketing. And that's fine yeah. too. Just operate in your sphere of influence build your brand, build your brand apart from your company brand. And that's probably yeah. the biggest thing that I think a lot of people underestimate the power of LinkedIn, because with LinkedIn, what you can do is you position yourself as a subject matter expert, and it doesn't have to be on black related issues, because obviously, yeah. but just because we're black doesn't mean that we're not well versed in pretty much anything you could think of. Like my area of expertise is actually in structural design and innovation and creating curriculum because that's what I've done. And I taught online for yeah. two decades, almost a decade and a half. So that really would be my area of expertise. But at the same time, in terms of my passion, my passion was social justice and everyone's different. Some people are just like, my passion is my job. I love to teach people about marketing. I love to think about marketing. You might be thinking about diversity in marketing, yeah. or you might just think about how to, people can be more skilled in marketing, whatever yeah. your goal is or whatever your passion is, I say, become a thought leader. Think about how to position yourself. And it might be to get a promotion in your job just yep. to show that you are someone that is knowledgeable, yep. posting about it. And also not even, I always tell people, I've literally talked about this today um, in terms of coaching people on social media. It Sometimes it's not even content. Maybe it's networking and so actually true. just finding ways to 
connect with people like how we connected. You being know, being a person, just being a person. just being a person, being someone yeah. that is interested in other people, being someone that hey, like when I first got on the platform, I didn't think I would really even post content. I was just trying to network with other people in education, and I would go in their posts and see yeah. what they were saying. I was not gonna post anything because I'm a lurker on social media. <laughs> I've never posted anything. I barely post on Facebook unless it's my birthday. <laughs> so my goal was always like, well, how can I add value here to the conversation? As an instructor, I'm always thinking, here's an article. So I'm trying to be helpful in people's yep. comments. That's interesting. Have you guys seen this article about that? People just don't uh, don't know how great that is when you're a creator and someone comes into your comments and just drops some knowledge or just says, yep. I agree with that. Here's something that I have. You People mm -hmm. that do that actually can position themselves to be in a better position than even sometimes six months down the line, if you want to start creating content, you have people that will support you. You have people that will probably offer you to collab with them. Yeah. You have people that will amplify your content. So I always think about in yeah. terms of brand building, just networking, making relationships, and just being real and genuine, you know, not just like yeah. looking at when I extract from people, how can I steal yeah. their content? How can I just be a taker? And I think that's a part of the problem. And maybe that's a part of the hustle culture and capitalism where everyone is on some like scam. Everyone wants to um, get a uh, quick come up and use people. It's just like, can you just give? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you just act like, and that's why maybe it worked for me because people saw, I didn't have a dog in a fight. I told people, I don't care. Don't follow me. Unfollow me right now. I'm not going to follow you. That's fine. Don't because totally. I don't really care if you follow me or not. So the idea of going into it with a more like a service heart, and I know sometimes people black folk you, we don't like that word servant, but it's the idea of serving, you know, serving the community for those that yeah. you know are in Greek letter organizations or those that have done community service. You know, there's an idea that for us, especially in the black community, we think about how can we collab, how can we be yeah. stronger together, let's work together that crabs in a barrel or black folk don't support each other. That's a recent, I think it's more something that it's not, it's not something that was even really that originated with the black community. So how do we have Tulsa? How did we have Rosewood? How do we have Seneca village? We've always been collaborative. How did we have Africa? Then they'll say, we all sold each other. But, it's but always, it is, I feel but it like there's true, always it? something. The, the yes. Is, and here's the, it is true in some aspects, like the crab in the barrel mentality. It is like, I can't, Here's the thing, I think, when it comes to crabs in a barrel. Uh -huh. I think a lot of that is, it's almost like our minds have been colonized to do that. Because if you think about Absolutely. slavery, tribe selling tribe, they were looking at it like, well, we, we enslaved tribes. You know, I'm very well versed in African history. And a lot of times what they would do, if you were, if me and, your, me and your tribe is at war, you coming to work in my household. You might be working in my household for another 10 years. You might come marry my daughter, whatever the case yeah, may yeah. be, but you cannot leave here. You a family member, you chip yeah. in, but you ain't going back to your tribe because we we dominated y'all. Yeah. So now you a part of us. That was their idea of slavery. So the right. idea that we had chattel slavery in Africa where we was whipping and raping and carrying on. No, because that never happened. Historically, that did not happen. Mm. When black folk, Africans were taken to America, what did they do? Y'all didn't have religion. Y'all didn't have language. As a matter of fact, you ain't even got no name. We're going to, you now are pitted against your brother because you don't even know who that person is. What tribe is that person is that person in? So now the, the crab in a barrel thing was actually something that was manufactured. Just like race is manufactured. Yeah, it was so if you look at race. There's there's really no scientific, no yeah. genetic 
reason why there are different races other than some people were in Africa, sub-Saharan heat, and we needed curly hair and broad noses. Some people went to cold atmosphere and they needed a skinny nose and long hair to cover their body so that they wouldn't be cold. Like literally there's no genetic basis in, in there's nothing that will say, because we know in the black community, sometimes you have a white person marry a white person and that mixed child marry a white person before you know it, their kids are white. So how yeah. is that possible? Because they're really, it's really hereditary. So the yeah. idea that black folk inherently don't support each other, I think sometimes we've been colonized to believe there's a poverty mindset. Exactly. If I win, I mean Jared can't win. So now I gotta step on Jared to get where I need to go. Where did I get the idea from? Because in our community, that's what has been shown. We don't have resources. We don't have the ability to do that. Why? We don't have resources because of segregation because of redlining, because our schools are underfunded. Why yeah. are our schools underfunded? Because our schools are funded with property tax. In our neighborhoods, we have white flight. So all the white people flee to the west yeah. side of the city, the white suburbs, and our black neighborhoods crumble with no grocery store, food desert, church chicken, Popeyes, liquor store, gun store, check cashing store. Yep. So now, of course, I got a poverty mindset. And that means when I go out on the block, you're my enemy. Another girl so is true. my enemy. So true. Anyone, if you start a business, I ain't supporting your business. Because if I support your business, that means I can't sell bundles out of my car. Or this, I can't have a barbershop if you have a barbershop. Because we, now we're in competition because there's a lack of resources in our community. Where is that coming from? That's coming from yeah. outside. We were never like that inside because we always... Why, how back to Tulsa, Oklahoma? What they would do is they say, Well, Jared got a barbershop. If you come to Liz's grocery store, I give you a coupon and you get 10% off at Jared Barbershop. I that mean. was how we did because yeah. we have always been collaborative. So, the crab in the barrel, I agree with you because I see it even on LinkedIn that sometimes oh. I'm like, People kind of stingy, people be kind of like standoffish. Everyone is, but because that, that in terms of the black community, that has been manufactured where you will hear black people say, all the time, I off at black. They they don't give good customer service. All this other stuff. But why is that? Why do we do that? We'll support a white grocery store that comes in, and we won't support that black business that's been there forever. And that black business goes out of out of business because they can't get customers. There's this sense that a lot of that is coming from generational trauma. A lot of that is coming from the poverty mindset where now we cutting corners. Now we really don't understand how to exactly. run a business. Our business yeah. is failing. Why? Are we getting only 1% of venture capital funding where you got people doing these crazy companies and over and over again, they fail and they keep getting resources poured into them. So when I see that, I'm like, I can't afford to fail. So I mean, if Jared fail, Jared's going to have to fail because my I got bills. So that's how yeah. we get into yeah. this, this yeah. really, this, this loop, this feedback loop of always not supporting each other, having a crab in the barrel mentality. It's not natural innate to us. It's really, and it's not to excuse it. I'm not saying it's the right. It's just the fact that that has been something that has been manufactured over time. And it's at all, when people say, well, forget about reconstruction, forget about slavery, forget about segregation, forget about all these things that's happened in the past. Civil Rights Acts, the last civil rights that we mm -hmm. should forget and move forward but you can't move forward if you are still it's it's almost like telling you well you know just run a race and just 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 catch up to me and i'm in like the third leg and you in the parking lot well come on jared yeah. why can't you catch up to me i'm just coming out my car and taking my sweatpants 
It's yeah. all up when you're like, I'm losing you, but sis. Has to be a set. We, we have the only way I think is through reparations, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> that's real, sis. And like, I, I agree with you. First of all, you you were preaching. You was talking that talk. So I, you know what I mean. You was going off just now, and I really appreciate you. Like, but like, I, I see, I see. Like you said, it's survival. Yeah. Coming from where we come from is survival. Like if I'm on the block, I'm selling nickel bag. You can't be on my block. You can't be on this shit. And that's how it is. I'll right. be real with you. Right. I've got I've got 17,000 followers on LinkedIn. I'll tell you right now, probably 5% of my support is black. 5%. I don't get anybody. And I, I'd be like, shit, I'm literally doing this shit for y'all. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because shit, you know how yeah. hard it is to go in the corporate space next to a CEO and come on with a white socks fitted? I was at, I told the story, I was at a, a conference. I had two outfits. I had the damn Oxfords, the Brown Johns, the Cognacs. I had the, you know what I'm saying? I'm ready to go spiffy on them. And then I got the Jordans. I got the 11s. I got the polo, rugby, all that. I'm sitting there in the, in the crib just looking at it like this. What do I do? You know what I mean? All right. If I go there and somebody notices me, they know the hat and the hoodie that I'm kind of off brand. And if I go in there with the, with the shirt and slacks and stuff, that I'm appeasing them. I went in there with the Jordans and what's the name, right? Nobody said nothing. I'm like, whoo, nobody said nothing. Everybody's like, hey, good morning, Jared. Da, da, da. I had more conversations about my Jordans and my outfit than we had about the actual product. I brought mad traffic just from the fit. By day two, the whole conference, we having sneaker battles. Motherfucker's coming in with the Travis Scotts. He got this one. I'm like, damn. <laughs> but that's it. But that's what I mean by that. But it's like, those are the things that we deal with as black professionals. And I know for me, it's like, it is so hard to go in these spaces and be authentic self. I think about this shit constantly, regardless of how many impressions, how many views, how many relationships I build, who's thinking about me and who, and how many opportunities am I not getting? Or am I, should I said this differently? And should that, and I get in my head and that's just natural for everybody. So, and you also said something about the content, like, you know, value. Value is very subjective. That's why I kind of even hate that word because what's valuable to you may not be valuable to me. So what I tell people is be the subject matter expert of your life. Nobody could tell you how to be you, yo. Nobody can tell you. So nobody can tell me that I wasn't in BBQ smelling like ribs and Starbucks and how to be a good waiter. How do you do a sale? And I was doing these things. So like, I know what I know and somebody's going to be out because I'm looking at my thing is impact. Like I want to reach the 22 year old Jared. That's like, yo, I'm hip hop. I listen to five year foreign. And like, I want to go in this space and I don't want to put on a phone voice. I don't want to be that. Like, how can I still be cool? And I feel I like, you know what I'm saying? And like, and if I, I love so that. Uh, but that's who is that? How how do we become that? And I've I've tried in those spaces, and like I said, when I've done it in a corporate space, I was loved. But then restructuring, it's like, damn, was I loved? You know what I'm saying? Was I loved, mm -hmm. or were you parading me around? Not saying they were doing that, but it's like, what's up? Same way with LinkedIn with the DI DI stuff. I'm a LinkedIn black voice to follow and amplify. But that was after the George Floyd, right? Now you want to highlight us? Now last year was quiet. I ain't hear nothing. I ain't hear like, yo, Jared, you need some resources. What's up? You need this, a bubble boom. I'm out of a job right now. I, ain't, I don't hear nothing. You know what I'm saying? And I'm putting on, giving y'all free game, doing courses. I got to build my own business out of out of need. And I'm somebody that's out here doing it. And I'm seeing people to putting up the sob stories, getting like 50,000. I'm like, ain't this about a bleep? You mother. <laughs> but that's yeah. real. So some of the things like that is just so real, and it's like that crab in a barrel mentality, especially at a time moment like now. If I got to eat and Christmas is coming, 
I might have to step on Jared. I got to get it. I got to get that opportunity. There's only four open slots and there's 10 of us. Yeah. yeah. And that's it's unfortunate. That's, it's, un, it's very unfortunate, sis. And that's how I feel like that's what keeps us from being this. Because if I feel like we are all our authentic selves, there's nothing we can't do in corporate. There's nothing. And, and that's what drew me to you, sis. I'll be honest. I see the, you know what I mean? I see the door knocking. I see the joint. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. Same thing with Maddie. Uh, Maddie, I go on the LinkedIn. She was the first person I saw that was black on my LinkedIn feed. And I'm like, you know what stood out to me? Blue hair. I said, who the hell is this sister with the blue, blue hair? Blue hair unicorn. You know, I'm like, who is this sister with the blue hair? And she's talking that shit. And I said, you know what? I'm going for it. I'm going for it. And if it wasn't for her and like so many others that I was looking at, I wouldn't even have made the journey. And that's what made it real. So I always give her love and stuff like that. So telling our, our journey is so, I mean, telling our story is so important. And that's why I'm appreciative of you, sis, like for what you're doing. Because if you make it right and if you succeed, we all succeed. We all get it. Like some, there is an Elizabeth right now that's sitting in the mud right now, like 20 years old. Like, what do I do? They don't want me to write and shit. But, oh, no, sis doing it. And she's got this. And I can do it. And I could be cool. And you're helping us. You're improving the culture just by being you, sis. Real talk. I appreciate that. Maddie is actually one of my inspirations because she's one of the first persons that I followed on LinkedIn as well. And I always tell her that. I give her so many flowers because I'm like, she was like, I'm spilling hot tea. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of the support sometimes black folk will tell me all the time they dm me and say i really want to like your post but i'm scared a lot of black people feel out of place on linkedin a lot of people don't feel supported they feel like what's going to happen if i like that post is it going to come back to me so I try to understand that for us, we often are not encouraged to be our true authentic self. I didn't stop coping. Oh no. All right, chat, my bad. We're gonna we're gonna come right back. Sis was going off just now. Oh man. But guys, this is this is an amazing conversation. Like, as you see, man, Elizabeth is so valued, like her, her insights and how she's been able to grow her audience and be authentic in so many ills. Ill stories to drive from this, y'all. Well, here goes sis right now. Hold on. Oh, wait. Hey, there we go. Boom. Yep. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, so I didn't stop code switching until George Floyd because it was like, you know what? Nothing can save you. If people want to hurt you, they are going to hurt you regardless. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to step into every space as myself. There's nothing wrong with who I am. There's nothing unprofessional about how I behave or how I look or how I act. And I think that's typically what's holding most of us back is we've been taught that who we are at our core is not good enough. It's not professional. Mm. Like you got on your cap. You got on your, your shirt. You got yeah. on your face and there's nothing. It does not going to change. If you put on different clothes, you still have the same amount of knowledge and being a SME. I think one thing I learned from being in sales, because I was in sales for a short time before I actually went into the classroom, is that people buy from who they like, right? So at the yeah. end of the day, if you're looking fake, if you're looking like you have value, but you're looking kind of shady, like you're kind of just trying to get a quick sale or you don't really care, a lot of times people won't buy from you and it doesn't matter how much knowledge you have. So I think it's yeah. important what you're doing, which is leaning into who you are, are, won't, and that's fine because oh, I I definitely agree to authenticity because authenticity at the end of the day you have your truth and that's it. 
That's it, sis. And I, I appreciate you, sis. Like, first of all, you got to invite anytime you come back. I, I still have mad questions, mad ways we could go with this, but I know I even realized we went 55 minutes. So time flies when you have fun. You know what I mean? So, but sis, I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for like, you You didn't know me, you know, you didn't know me from anything. And the fact that you supported sis is that absolutely I'm coming on and the love you showed, like, I really appreciate you. I'm a fan of yours going to continue to be a fan of yours. I'm glad to be able to call you a friend now. And, you know, I'm rooting for you, sis. Real talk. I appreciate that. I did know you. I saw that you were supporting my content. And I was like, (laughs) you know what? Yeah. Because I think that at the end of the day, I'm like that too. If we have to support each other, have to be there for each other, we have to, you know, be a community. And I think that's an undervalued part about LinkedIn as well. There is community here. There are people that will support you. There are people that will help you. There are people that collab with you, but I'm not collab with people that don't collab with me or support my content or just kind of like fly by night that really are just looking to extract. And I think that's the key. You're someone that's a giver. And I saw that based on the activity that I saw that you were on the platform. And if people can lean into that, they will be able to use LinkedIn and, and make something really great out of it. That's it. That's that's a drop the mic moment right there. That's so real, sis. So, guys, thank you for everybody tuned in. Dre, appreciate you. Jordan, appreciate you. Everybody's watching on Facebook. I can't see your comments and stuff, but you know I'm going to respond to you in a bit. But, you know, we got another one next week. We actually got one with MD Advisors um, on Monday. And then we got on December 1st, we got Mary Webb, the creator of Flow from Progressive, pulling up. Like, I can't wait to hear that story and how you came up with Flow. How do you monetize on that? We're going to have some fun, y'all. So, Liz, thank you again, sis. You have an invite anytime, and we'll see you guys thank next you. week. All right, y'all. What you know about me? Seen it all, heard it all. Oh, what you know about me? I've done it all, just one.